Ready to record? We are. Okay. All right, so we have the intro. This is Lorraine Ball. This is Jared Jewett. And we've got a guest today. Um, I know you've just loved listening to us talk, but we thought we'd shake it up a little bit. And Mohammed Yassin is here from Perk. Hey, Mohammed. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always good to have you. Um, and since you visited, visited us last, you've got a new gig. Why don't you tell folks a little bit about where you're working now? All right. So um, now I am working at Perk. We are a... Uh, marketing tech agency of sorts. We work in the automotive and newspaper industries doing um, incentive-based promotions. So any sort of promotion that involves an incentive to drive people to take an action, walk into the dealership, purchase an item, etc. Awesome. So this morning we're going to talk about some of the changes, not just hiring you, which clearly was the most important change this company made. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, it was a good move on their part. Um, but they went through a, a rebranding of sorts. Yes, they did. So I started there in May of last year. Um, at that point, the company's been around for about 11 years now. Um, but it was operating under three different names. Actually, four if we count all of them. Um, we had uh, TriAuto, which handled all of our marketing in the automotive space. Okay. We had Trace Communications, which handled uh, marketing and services in the newspaper space. And we had BizProps, which handled um, marketing in the retail space. All these companies wanted to run roof, um, and they reported up through a holding company called CIK Enterprises. All right. So the CIK name, and as you were running down your list, I'm like, oh, I know BizProps. Oh, I know TriAuto. I had no idea. Same company. Interesting. Yeah, so... So what was what kind of pushed you guys from moving these three or four companies under one umbrella, you know, and the need to rebrand? Like, what was it a growth issue or was it a, a well? I mean, issue? I think it's a little bit of both. It's both brand and growth. Um, you know, you have three different companies that have some unique offerings, but when it comes down to it, they're offering many of the same products in different verticals, um, and you end up kind of diluting your brand when you're spreading it across. It was oh, we're going to do this in the retail space. Let's make a new name. No, let's not make a new name. Let's and, and you had to when your name is Try Auto and you want to go sell to, you know, H.H. H. Gregg, probably don't need to go in there with that particular name. Um, but, so it was time to kind of take all those brands, the history of those brands, the power of those brands, consolidate it into one name that can be recognized no matter where you're going. It's kind of vertical agnostic. So as you're going through this process of rebranding and bringing these brands together, where did you start? What were some of the first steps? Well, the first thing really was um, spending time learning about the company itself and about the history of the, of the company, about the products that were being sold, um, and about the, the, the customers that we had and you know, how, they, how they used the product, uh, how they like to interact. Um, and I think one of the big things with the rebrand, especially when you're dealing with a company that's 11 years old, is not just starting from scratch and building what you think is going to be cool, but really staying true to the history of what that organization is and the customers that have been loyal to you for you know, over a decade. Cool. So that was the first step, was really just doing the research, getting our feet up under us. So when we're talking about uh, rebranding, like what, what does it actually take, like the topic of this podcast? Like what, what, what were your outline steps, you know, the things, the holes that you needed to fill to make sure the rebrand worked for you guys? Wow, that is an incredibly broad um, question. Um, this was a, you know, for, for many people that have done brand launches, you're probably going to freak out when I say this. Um, this process for us 
from start to finish from a marketing team perspective, started in May of last year and ended in November of last year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm having just a little right. heart failure here because <laughs> there's so much. I mean, this... It's a quick time frame. They had done some legwork previously. I mean, they knew for uh, a year prior, at least, that they wanted to do this rebrand. When we came in, the name had already been chosen. Um, a lot of the research hadn't been done, so we had to do a lot of that in a very quick time frame. Um, okay. But they had made some some steps already before to kind of get things rolling. Okay, so, so so that's an interesting thing that you said to me, that they had chosen the name and then they did the research. Was there any inherent challenges as you were doing the research, um, trying to sort of force fit your answers to a name? Um, yes and no. Uh, there was, so, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, we are the first marketing department that company has had. Okay. Um, they had worked with some agencies in town previously, and there were two agencies that were involved in the creation of some of the stuff before we came in. Um, a, a lot of that, once we started really digging in, we kind of had to get like trash. It didn't quite make sense. It was good work, but it didn't quite fit the history of where the company had been in a way that will really be something that our customers and our employees could swallow. So we did have to scratch a lot of things. There was, there was a baseline of things we could still continue to build on, though. Okay, so you start, you, you have a name, you're doing this customer research value proposition. What is it that um, the research told you that you needed to represent in the marketplace to be relevant? The first thing was simplifying our brand offerings, our product offerings. You know, we, when we were looking at it, um, you look at some of those, those older brochures, web pages, etc. Um, it looked like we had 15, 20 products. Because you start breaking it down across three different divisions, everyone's making tweaks to a product and calling it a different product. Reality, it's not a different product. You know, it's just like you buy a car just because you buy it in black versus red doesn't mean it's a different car. It's the same car, just because you buy it with automatic versus manual. It's a, di it's a trim level. You know, so what we really had to go through was taking all of those products and starting to really categorize them and say, okay, well, no, we're going to get this down. We have X number of products. You know, we got it down to like four or five products in, in reality. Nice. And then the different trim levels below that. So there's all different options you can add on to create kind of a custom solution. Um, and that, that was really kind of one of the, the, the first steps and the, one of the longest steps um, was figuring out how to categorize and name those product groupings and service groupings um, in a way that, one, made sense internally for salespeople, but also externally made sense for the verticals that we're currently serving and the ones we could potentially be serving in the future. So really, you know, as I'm looking at this, it was as much um, about a brand realignment as it was really kind of the whole product realignment to meet, to meet the market. And um, this, you know, organizing and trimming your product line, it could have happened under multiple names, but it, it totally gave you, that one name gave you an opportunity to bring those pieces Absolutely. together. Absolutely, because if, if you do it individually, then you end up with, maybe on the biz props retail side, you trim it down, but then you have something very similar, especially on the tri-auto side. A lot of those incentive-based um, products and our technology, our marketing technology, which was a fat win, um, which is kind of kiosks and microsites and that sort of thing, it was being used on tri-auto and on biz props, the exact same technology. There, there was some overlap there that had to be kind of combined. So today in the mind of a customer, if I say perk, what do you want people to think? Incentive-based promotions. 
um, and technology that goes along with those. I and mean, it really is a company where you know we have a direct mail background. You know, it's it's definitely there. Um, but we also have a technology background as well. You know, we are one of those companies where you drop a piece of direct mail somewhere, you can track that piece of direct mail from the time it hits the person's home all the way through the purchase of an item. Um, and you can watch that in a live dashboard as it's going along the way. You know, there's lots of games and engagement along the way um, that really sets us apart and let that company grow over the years. Okay, so lessons learned. Um, if now, I'm not saying you're going to change jobs. I know that you're happy there. But if, if some company decided to offer you a job and say, hey, we want to rebrand and do everything that Perk did, lessons learned, what went right? Well, what, what could have been better? Uh, well, um, there was one, one, one kind of big thing, um, which is, I mentioned we had to get rid of some of the previous work that, that was done. Um, I would say to wait, it's, it's very exciting to buy new things with your brand yeah. name on them. Mm -hmm. um, it's very exciting to do that. And it's also very cheap to buy those items in bulk. Um, however, maybe wait until you're to the end of the process before you start buying things sometimes. Um, you know, I am currently getting rid of several thousand screen wipes that are in a color that we changed. Um, so, you know, one of the things that come up from a brand research perspective, our fat win technology, which is all about trust and legitimacy and excitement, um, the brand color was red, which screams, stop, don't trust me, don't do this. Mm -hmm. um, we changed that to green. Mm -hmm. I have a drawer full of screen wipes that are red. Hmm. Maybe don't do that next time. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I, I think uh, we used to call that a rolling change when I was in, in corporate. Um, uh, we did rebranding work um, for Carrier, for our dealers nationwide. Mm -hmm. And we had 75 hundred contractors nationwide that had trucks, that had buildings, that had shirts, and it wasn't realistic to think that the new logos were going to appear right. overnight. Right. Um, and kind of build in that idea that we'll do this gradually. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you, know, you, you, you kind of push it as far down the road as you can, um, you know, because especially when you're going at a fast pace like that, you're right, things change. Mm -hmm. Taglines change, right. colors change. Um, one day you walk in and your designer says, you know what, the left corner of this logo isn't quite perfectly round. Can I change that? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, but as you say that, you're like, yeah, but we have already and you think about You think about those sorts of things, you're like, well, okay, um, what do we already have that has the logo on it and will I have to change it? And there comes a point you kind of have to like draw a line in the sand, like, no, if we're going live on X date, nothing can change after this sure. date in order for me to execute properly. And that's important. That's something you need to write down. That has to be part of your strategy. You, you absolutely have to, you absolutely have to do that. Um, I would say another thing that really helped us a lot, and this is from a, something I would absolutely do, um, is spending a lot of time um, on voice, yeah. figuring out what the voice of your company is, especially when you're doing a consolidation of brands and you have you know, a company with 75 employees that have been there for 10, 11 years, you want to make sure you have a voice that your, your employees are comfortable speaking in and that can also resonate externally as well. So you kind of find the best of that culture mm -hmm. um, and you build that into it. And we went through um, you know, 
several rounds of uh, workshops with another local agency that just focuses purely on writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big storytellers, and you know, they worked with us on really pulling out what our voice was, what the right words to use were that fit and everything, um, and then how to, you know, they, they wrote everything for us from uh, elevator pitches to boilerplate to what we have in our brand guide, which or in our press kit also, which is actually just in our internal brand guide, a cocktail party pitch. So you find yourself in, I think, uh, cocktail parties more than you find yourself in an elevator talking to people yeah. about what you do. So it was, you know, when someone asks you, you know, what do you do? quick one-sentence response that everyone could use that kind of made sense and everything. And they, they helped us with all that. And that that really set a baseline for all the content that came, whether it was web content, printed content, um, everything. And I, th- I really, uh, I think people underestimate how important that idea of voices to really establishing an identity. Um, when we were at Kinseco, we did a similar thing where we worked with an agency, and I had a list of words that you could not use. Right. That we we had a target market, and these terms would be pretentious. We had 22 different writers that were working on our brochures, and you know to maintain that feel across, you've got to have that. But I think you have absolutely. to have it if you have two writers. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, there's always going to be. It, it it makes it gives them kind of a um, a reference point, so they can maintain consistency. And also, you know, this is we're we're living in a world where freelance writing is a real thing. Yeah. You know, we hire freelance writers all the time. We've done it for 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 years um, because they're good. They're good. Um, they tend to be a little bit cheaper sometimes than some of the inflated prices you may have with some very large agencies because they have to charge more. They have more overhead. You got a guy sitting at his kitchen table. He might be really great at writing. Um, and maybe you can turn around a little bit faster sometimes too, but in order to do it well and in order to do it without it sticking out from all your other content, you have to be able to give them something to work with. Absolutely. And I think that um, for companies of any size, because you're right, we are in an era of whether it's freelance writers or ghost writers or, or outsourcing just because you're too busy to write your own five blog posts. Right. Those, the stronger you have your guidelines on the front end, um, I think people are used to this idea that I'm going to have colors and fonts, yep. um, but this this next piece, that color, font, and voice, is kind of the three stools I think that uh, um, that your brand stands on. I would agree, and I think that probably also has to do with some of our shift from a marketing perspective to online as well. This idea of content marketing—it's mm-hmm. not something we really. It existed 50 years ago, but not really a big deal. It was more of a these are my these are my this is my logo. Right. These are my brand colors. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, agency, make a new campaign for me. Mm-hmm. Create something interesting and kind of do your thing. Um, whereas now, you know, we really focus on a lot of really long-term content-based um, kinds of approaches to how we interact with people, especially online. And that's starting to bleed off, you know, into offline as well. When you have those sorts of long-term things where you're building out, you know. You know hundreds of blogs over the course of years, mm-hmm. um, pages and pages of website content, social media, etc. It becomes a little bit more important that you kind of define your voice mm-hmm. and the words um, just as much as you probably would your color and your logo. Absolutely. You know, you want when somebody, when somebody finds a piece of information, they, they need to be able to pick it up and have an impression of who you are and what you do, and it should match all of their previous impressions Absolutely. of your brand. Absolutely. You know, uh, 
I can see a Coca-Cola ad, and even before I see the logo, I kind of know it's coming. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know? Exactly, um, exactly. That, that was always a test of good and bad branding is we would um, put ads on a table and cover the company logo and see if, you know, for print ads, if people could identify mm-hmm. whose product that was. You know, and kind of give them, okay, here's six vendors, here's six ads. You know, can you yep. match them? I think that's that's amazing. It's something we kind of wanted as well, and we we did the kind of the words part first. Um, you know, after we got through the products, we got through what we thought the product should be like. Then we gave it to them and let them actually rework, and they actually made some pretty good changes as well from an organizational perspective um, as they were going through that workshopping process. Once that was all done, uh, and we had that that big massive document of this is your you know this is the voice of Perk. Um, then we started going a little bit further into the visual design. You know, I had a really great agency here in town for that, um, and had them build out. You know, so here, here's here's what perk is in words. What does that look like? You know, versus the other way around. Um, what is that? What is what? What does the visual representation of this look like? Very cool. And it ended up. I mean, kind of just rolled very well from one end to the other. Um, and then once we had the two of those things together. Uh, while they were while they were working on imagery and, and visuals, we were able to be we were able to write content um, because we already had the the documents, uh, and then kind of just dovetailed very well at the end where it was oh we've got our templates and we have our content ready just plug it in let's go awesome um, so it, it worked oh. out really well for us yeah I love the branding I think um, I have for those of you who can't see this which is most of the people listening I have my perk water bottle on my desk and I think it's Really solid, very strong, and um, very recognizable. Thank you, thank you. I mean, color was also a big choice for us as well. Um, I think we chose one that uh, was surprising for a lot of folks. Uh, especially in the automotive industry, is a lot of a lot of blue, mm-hmm. a lot of black, a lot of silver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. Lots of graphite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of car colors. Yeah, <laughs> lots of strong muscle car colors yeah. in that particular industry, and on the newspaper side, and. Uh, Lots of white, black, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think it's it's that idea of um, standing out, but not being um, inappropriate in yes. in the setting. So you've got something that is going to be high contrast to all the blues and the silvers, um, but is still um, a very strong and powerful color. Absolutely. So it's 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 a, it was it's a very cool choice. Absolutely, you have, you're gonna have to come into the office. <laughs> I'll show you the wall. Uh, we, we actually rebranded the office was one of the jobs I had as well um, during this whole process. So I had a lot of, a lot of hands in the several pots at that point. Um, the f- lobby. So we have 30-foot-tall ceilings there. I've seen the pictures. Um, you should have seen. I, we Pantone matched all the paint colors. And uh, purple, before it dries, this particular shade of purple... Is really bright. <laughs> I got it. That was one of the the the, the road bucks we had. Uh, I painted the the lobby, um, and then I got a phone call. Actually, I painted the lobby and the 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 main conference rooms, like the, kind of the the, the big boardroom, um, in this purple. And I got a phone call that night. When you get in in the morning, repaint the the conference room. As soon as you get in, pick a different color. Paint it gray. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wow! Wow! Well, one of those times you kind of have to sit and say, "I'm not, I'm not going to paint it gray. You need to give me a couple of days. Trust me." We went through a lot of work and you know picking these colors, etc. You like the color, you like it on the on the uh, swatches, right? Yep. 
Give it a couple of days, let it dry. Sure. Trust me on this one. If you don't like it in two days, I will go pre-paint it. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, you know what I mean? You know, when you're thinking about that, you know, when I think about our own brand colors, um, our blue is very dark and our teal can be a little bit bright. And so yes. the compromise we made is we did one wall in our conference room mm -hmm. and did the other three because four walls of that teal, yes. oh my God. It, it would vibrate. <laughs> You know, sure. but but those colors were never picked with the idea that I I mean when I picked the colors for the logo and even when we modified it, it was what's going to go on my business card, what's going to be on my website. Yep. I never yep. envisioned a building with walls. You know, yes. you, you had a different yes. challenge from the get go, <laughs> and I think that's a really key point is you need to think about as you're picking colors where your colors are going to live. You know, mm -hmm. if you're a contractor, what's that going to look like on the side of a truck? Exactly. If you're um, a flower shop, what's it going to look like um, on a page with lots of flowers? Okay. Um, I think a lot of people design logos in a vacuum. They look at it on a piece of paper yep. and never think about exactly. where it's exactly. going to live everywhere. The, the logo's going to live everywhere. The colors are going to live everywhere. You know, the, and, and it's something where, kind of from a, even from an architect, just structural perspective, yeah, think. Um, you're not just talking about water bottles and, and trucks anymore. You're talking about online as well. Mm -hmm. Is your logo going to fit well, or do you have an adapt adaptation of your logo that's going to fit on social media in a square, or yeah. a perfect square? Because that's not a you know shape that we generally make logos in. We generally go rectangular. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a logo that's going to be able to fit? You know, and, and or do you we, have a version of it that's going to be able to work? That's why a few years ago we went to the RP. Mm -hmm. It is it's distinctive. It's in our colors, and it has become recognizable with us, for us because our logo is horizontal. Right. You know, and I'm not going to I'm not going to change that. I don't want to stack that to fit in a square. Um, but that was that very definitely as social media has evolved, and of course now. Um, Google wants everything in a circle, so right. um, <laughs> exactly. you know all that's wrong. But there's there's that kind of ongoing challenge. But I, I think that's a good point. Is that um, there are so many different ways that your brand has to live than it did 50 years ago when you were designing a logo that maybe had to show up in a newspaper. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Last question. Do you got any? Yeah, I, I wanted to go back for half a second and talk about maybe an HR issue. Like, what kind of people? do you think it takes to make a rebrand work? What kind of people and what response, what roles? Wow. Um, gosh. So the thing about a, a rebrand is you are talking to people who are already very set in mm -hmm. their identity a lot of the times. Sure. I think everyone has to have an open mind. Everyone also has to have a common kind of um, goal that's been predetermined. So we need to get here. So that when you're having conflict amongst the team, you can say, you can resolve that by saying, okay, well, does this decision help us get there? We all agree we need to get there. And that's what, this is what there looks like. And that was the first conversation we had to have was, what does the end goal look like? When we're done, that's another reason why we did that, that voice and uh, document first, because it, it, did, it outlined in words, this is what the end looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something we we did that all together. Right. Everyone that was a stakeholder was in the same room and wow. hashed those words out together with that team. So you know, when it's all said, that we say, okay, we can refer back to those words that we decided on as a team, and it was hard, mm -hmm. and say, okay, wh where we're going, does that fit? You know, an example of that is uh, so Perk is the the the, the company, um, the 
marketing technology that we uh, own is called Fatwin, right? Um, that Fatwin technology, the name is a little bit, can be a little bit controversial, all right? It can also be really easy to have a lot of fun with, mm. all right? Are you having a fat win? Those sorts of things. And we decided we are not going to be cute with the name. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Period. It is not, you are never going to, you can never use it as a term. It just it is what it is. Um, so as we're going through those processes and people are getting excited, oh my God, can we do like a campaign about what's your fat win? Nope, we can't because that was a decision we made a long time Altogether. ago. We're not going to use it cute in any way, shape, or form. And this is why. Um, so it helped us really kind of get through that. So being flexible is a big deal. Um, also having people that are um, incredibly creative and ready to bring that talent and committed to the vision of yeah. what's going on. Um, and people that are willing to work a lot. Um, you know, whether you have six months or two years to do a rebrand, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And you have to have people that are going to be able to maintain that stamina on an ongoing basis and kind of keep that momentum going sure. until you have a launch. I mean, that... When we had that, that, that launch party, I mean, she's seen us like after everyone left. It was like, whew, yeah. we're real, we made it, we got it out into the world. Um, and then it was the just real so, world so nice. I took a week off after that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, I mean, I think, I think that's a really good point. So, lots of good things to consider in terms of if you're going to do this, this idea of designing with the end in mind, um, getting the buy in from your key stakeholders, from the employees, listening to your customers. Um, and start to finish, I think you guys have done a great job. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been terrific, terrific. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me back. If people want to follow your adventures, how do they keep up with you? Well, uh, obviously, you can go to perk.com. It's P-E-R-Q.com. Um, also, you can follow us on social media. You can find us pretty much anywhere under Perk Marketing. Um, I would definitely suggest doing uh, Twitter. Um, also, a great one if you want to kind of see a little bit more of the, the back-end culture um, as well as building, et cetera, kind of where we do work and how we work and play. Um, follow us on Instagram. Also, yeah. Perk Marketing, one of my favorite accounts. Uh, so Instagram, Twitter. You can find us on LinkedIn, but definitely go to the website and do the Instagram. So. Awesome. Thanks for having me. We are. Uh, we will follow you everywhere. If you've enjoyed today's program and you'd like to learn a little bit more about Perk, there'll be a link from the podcast both on iTunes and on more than a few words so you can learn more about them. Be sure to come back next week. <laughs>